0: to the 24-7 Sports College Football Podcast with your hosts Chip Patterson and Barton Simmons. The ultimate insider's guide from signing day to the national championship game and everything in between. CBS Sports presents the 24-7 Sports College Football Podcast.
1: Back here on the 24-7 Sports College Football Podcast, we are winding down with our win totals predictions. Uh, camp is starting. Pads are popping. Uh, We've got to get our final like preseason predictions out of here, Barton, because the preseason like man, this is this is it. Like, if you're going to call your shot, and we're we're going to do our national championship predictions later. We might make uh, our Heisman calls a little bit later, but man, all that's going to be coming out in the next two weeks. So our team by team win totals predictions. uh, We're getting close to wrapping this up right here. We're going to take down the entire Pac-12 here in this episode for you are you ready
0: chip i'm sitting here as we discuss this podcast we get going i'm watching ohio state practice clips on bucknuts.com 24 7 sports so there's actual practices that have taken place by the time we're having this conversation which is awesome so i'm ready to roll
1: <laughs> all right any instant osu takes from bucknuts no you can't learn anything from it but
0: <clears throat> honestly they they filmed the guys like running out to practice and I, I got, like, chills. Like, I'm so excited. Just to see guys actually wearing helmets running out to a meaningful workout. Uh, I, and they look so excited. Like, I'm – and it's, it's an overcast day. This just looks like it's a day for football. And I'm, I'm, I'm excited about it. So, so now we can get this one more conference, the Pac-12, wrapped up. And we can start figuring out who's balling in the in, in practice.
1: Absolutely. All right. Well, we are gonna just go ahead and dive right in. Um, and the fun with the Pac twelve is that what would what is uh in my mind, and I think popularly across the country, the, the big question is whether like USC doesn't have to deal with the back, you know, the they don't have to deal with the same back. Uh, big looming cloud of expectations, necessarily, that Miami does. You know what everyone wants, always wants to talk about? Is the U back? Is the U back? But this is the highest set of expectations that the Trojans have had. Since Matt Barkley announced that he was going to return for his senior year, they start the year, I believe, number one or number two in the country in the preseason poll, and that season ended with them getting their butts kicked by Georgia Tech in the Sun Bowl while Lane Kiffin was wearing a Stormtrooper wind protector. Like, the we have not had... Uh, a set of expectations for USC football in the preseason that has been fulfilled come December or January since Pete Carroll was on the sidelines and Reggie Bush was winning Heisman trophies. Yes, Reggie Bush won that Heisman trophy. So, like, as we're looking at USC football, coming off uh, just a great surge at the end of last season with Clay Helton. Sam Darnold, like... NFL number one, like, like pro talent, unbelievable talent. Like, how do we, when we start to peel back the layer on the Trojans, Barton, what do you see from an honest perspective? Because it is very easy for fans to get hung up in just the, the big, exciting question and possibility that USC football is going to be competing for a national championship.
0: Well, I mean, how crazy is college football, first of all? Just the fact that last year... They open the season with a fifty-two to six loss a spanking, to Alabama. Spanking, nothing that that should ever happen to any USC football program or team in the history of the program. Just, just embarrassing, embarrassing loss. Forty-six points, and Clay Helton looks totally in over his head. They start the season one and three. They lose to. Um, you know who Stanford and Utah right right off the jump. Uh, the Stanford game wasn't even close, and so uh, and now here we are a year later. And then who would have guessed after that one and three start, we'd be talking about USC as a legitimate like national title favorite? I think there's only two teams with better national title odds right now, according to Vada, Vegas, than USC. So it's it's really crazy to think that that Clay Helton was basically a dead man walk in in early September last year. Um but I think the national title expectations are real. I think that uh, this is a team I, I had a chance to visit USC this summer. I went up there for a, a a recruit a camp and got a chance to hang around the program a little bit for a day and, and look they, they love Clay Helton there. Like they this is a, a coach that has endeared himself to that staff. They believe in him, the players believe in him. And so after all that uncertainty early on, I think he's he's got everybody pulling in the same direction. And I think this team has absolutely got the pieces to, to contend. I mean, they have the best player, the best quarterback in college football, probably the number one draft pick next year, Sam Darnold. I think that if he meets expectations this year, he'll probably be the top guy taken. Um, they've got probably the best I say the deepest running back field in the country. Ooh, I you know I was gonna put I was
1: gonna put the the Sam Darnold Ronald Jones combo up there with Trace McSorley and Saquon Barkley, a, a duo that we talked about as like you know just in terms of uh, very different, both in terms of style, uh, yeah. but at least in terms of like combined potency. Like that that twosome is scary. Like will terrify opposing defensive coordinators.
0: Oh, absolutely. I agree. I, I, I totally agree with that. And, but the, I think the beauty of their backfield is after Ronald Jones, Viva Malapi is is really good. They're, they're buzzing about him there. Stephen Carr is one of the top incoming recruits in the country. And Aka Cedric Ware really had a nice year last year as well when he got on the field. So there's a lot of bodies they can throw at you to wear you down on, def- on defense. Uh, out of that backfield, so they're really talented there. Um, they've got a bunch of four and five star wide receivers that have been waiting their turn, that are about to step up to the plate. Their offensive line is experienced. Toa Lobendon, Vianne Talamayvao is is they're both guys I think are really good. And and when I was out there watching spring practice, Chuma Idoga, who's their their left tackle, who who's from McEachern, in Georgia, he's he was six three coming out of high school, but he ran like a four six forty, like he was so super athletic. Uh, I didn't know if he had the size to really be a tackle. I think, he's, I think he's a true tackle out there. And he was awesome when I watched him in practice. Like he was dominating in the run game. He was great in pass protection. Uh, really liked him. So it was just offensively, they've just got every piece you could want. All
1: right. Number one. Other college football analysts are already weeks behind Barton Simmons on the pronunciation of USC's <laughs> team.
0: I've got a lot of practice following these guys in high school. Oh, it, it my helps. gosh.
1: Yeah, no, you're killing it. I was, like, I'm going to have to go back and listen to the tape on this when I'm editing it <laughs> and, and work on my own. Like, like it'll be my Rosetta Stone for making sure I got this down. Uh, be, all right, so I was going to guess specifically about the wide receiver position because between Juju Smith-Schuster and Darius Rogers, like, to me, those are not only great players, but it was a lot of balls. Like, it was, it was a lot of receptions out there, uh, and now it looks like a total reboot, and you feel very confident, it sounds like, uh, about the next players that are stepping up there.
0: Well, I really like Michael Pittman. He is a big, strong kid. You saw him last year, but you saw him on special teams. Like, he was coming down the field smacking people on punt coverage Ooh, and kickoff like coverage. That. like so that. So that's, a a, I mean, he's a strong, he's six four. he's 210, he's a physical, tough kid. That's, and, then, and frankly, with this team, there's going to be some big opportunities to just make some downfield blocks and be tougher than, their, than, than the defensive backs and, and spark some big runs with, with Sam Darnold and those backs. So I, I think that that's a big part of it, too. But he, I think he's going to have a breakout year. Deontay Burnett is, is I think, going to have an opportunity to be a, a national name. You got Steven Mitchell in there who's a senior who's who's flashed, who's who's sort of that in to, Yeah, he's been good in space like in spots. Right. Yeah, absolutely. Like he he flashes from time to time. And then you got guys like Tyler Vaughn, who's a redshirt freshman. Redshirted last year was skinny, but one of the best sets of hands and, and ball skills you're gonna find in the country. So there there's just They've been recruiting at wide receiver really really well. T Martin has been bringing in some great receiver groups. And they were like they're all redshirting be last year.
1: Like they had so much talent redshirting last year and I've like that's 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 exciting not only for USC national championship contention now but like the fact that they're going to be able to terrorize the Pac-12 uh for the next couple years.
0: Yeah, yeah, and and and, and here's the thing and you bring me to sort of a, another point is my only question with USC is if Sam Darnold gets hurt because they will continue terrorizing the Pac-12 for the next couple of years. But if Sam Darnold goes pro, like we probably think he will, I'm not super confident in the quarterback room behind Sam Darnold right now. Ooh. They got a kid named Jack Sears coming in as a freshman that I think is has got a chance to be really good. But you don't know that on freshmen until they actually show up and... I think beyond him, they don't have much. I don't think they got a guy ready to go right now. Matt Fink is their backup, not a kid. I, I was a big fan of coming out of high school in terms of just as a thrower. He's athletic. I don't really love him as a thrower. So there's there there's their Achilles heel. You know they got to keep Sam Darnold healthy because they got all these skill players that can get the football to who can make plays. They just got to have their their trigger man healthy all the way through
1: what a sick defense though
0: dude these guys are these guys are savages dude I mean,
1: like uh all right so cameron smith healthy porter gustin healthy linebackers just totally stacked you still got like rasheem green uh let's see is kenny bigelow healthy
0: kenny bigelow's gone isn't he gone kenny bigelow transfer oh okay what do we Maybe I'm the the Khalil Rogers transferred, I know. Kenny Bigelow, I just yeah, he's I think Kenny Bigelow is still there. He just he's just never been a guy I've been super impressed with. You know who's gonna start over Kenny Bigelow is uh, Marlon Tui Pelotu, who's another who's another name to, to remember because he's a true freshman, already won the starting job in spring practice, was already working with the ones, uh, stud. He was the number one defensive tackle on the country Tuipolo Gordon,
1: Marlon Tuipolotu.
0: Yeah, he's a beast. He's uh, he's already beat out Kenny Bigelow for the starting job. So I I I uh, was off on that on him being a uh, Oh no, nah.
1: I mean you got you got to think that like the reason I know Kenny Bigelow is because it was like a big signing day name from what? 4 years ago.
0: Oh, he was a big signing day name. And, yeah. and honestly, I've I've tracked him because I never I always was worried we had that that the industry had Kenny Bigelow overrated. I never was necessarily sold on him. And and I think he has been a little bit disappointing in his career. He's a senior this year. This is his last chance to really um, make good on that uh, you know that upside and that potential. But even if he doesn't, Marlon Tulipolo is going to be a dude. Rasheem Green this year is the year he really comes into his own. He's he's he was young and raw coming in, and he but he is a freak athletically <laughs> yeah. and talent wise. Uh, you mentioned Porter Gustin, Cameron Smith. And then their defensive backfield with with Jack Jones stepping into a starting role more than likely. Oh, Biggie uh, Marshall. Biggie Marshall's out there, junior already. Man, they, these guys are getting old on us. Uh, and then Marvell Tell, and they got a couple other safety bodies that are really talented. So there's, Look, there's talent all over the place on defense. They've been recruiting well enough at USC. It's, uh, it's going to be – I mean, they – Look, they got the bodies. They got the dudes. They can get this thing done.
1: All right. So the win total is at nine and a half. How do we feel about that?
0: i You know, I think you got to take the over. We, you know, I, I, I've been taking a lot of the overs on the the number one team in East Conference, and and I guess I just sort of agree with the the standings right now. I, I'm not sure I've picked one that's going to disappoint yet, but. I I was just it's another one of those deals where look I feel better about the over than the under. They're not going to I mean, can you see them going 9 and 3? No. That'd be that'd be disappointing. Uh-uh. That'd be really disappointing. Now it's a tough schedule. Here's the other thing to think about with the USC is they've they don't have a bye week. <clears throat> they go all the way through. No breaks. They have they they're I guess the last two weeks of the regular season they have off. But uh so you know then they play they Texas out of conference, they play Notre Dame at Notre Dame mid-year. So it's not a it's not an easy stretch for them by by any means, but I just, you know, I'm going to feel better about 10 and 2 than 9 and 3.
1: I think that uh yeah, 9 and 3 don't see it. I think that you'll have you uh, you're, you're going to have one trap loss, right? Yeah. Washington State maybe.
0: Absolutely, Friday night. That's I. I, I'm with you, Chip. Like I saw that one, and I was like, "Whoa, that's gonna be (laughs) that's gonna be a dangerous spot right there." Yeah,
1: you got to go ahead and tally that one up, Uh, and then maybe later in the season, you know, depending on how things break, depending on what Notre Dame looks like. I like that they're able to get Utah at home. Um, Colorado's just gonna be a very different team than it was a year ago. That doesn't scare me quite as much. I. I am all the way in on the over nine and a half. I am feeling pretty good that they're going to be winning in the Pac-12 championship game. Uh, but I don't, you know, you get you get that extra week of preparation. That could be good, could be bad. But uh, I think that USC gets to the college football playoff and gets beaten in the semifinals.
0: I, I like the prediction. I'm about in the same spot. Um, yeah, not lock me in for the over. All
1: right, cool. Um, now the team that Barton called way, 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 way before anybody else on college football rundown and other assorted, uh, CBS sports, digital 24, seven sports properties and shows. I have no idea what, uh, the, we're going to call it this year, but I'm sure that we're going to be bringing you all of the video content that you could ever want to put on your Apple TV and mobile device. Um, but you were on Washington before anybody else was, man. You were there. Like, you were, you were about it. What did you see in the Huskies that led you to believe that they were ready to make this jump under Chris Peterson?
0: You know, well, first of all, it was Chris Peterson. And, and second of all, you know, they had a young quarterback who a, played as a freshman that was good. He would have taken a step forward. Miles Gaskin played as a freshman, was good he was going to take a step forward their defense was sick i love their defensive backfield i love their defensive front so and and really i'll be honest with you the other thing that i really liked last year was i looked at their schedule and they had you know they had stanford at home on like a friday night they had uh, they had usc at home if i'm not mistaken like they had they just had opportunities to you know the 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 schedule set up for if someone was to make a run i think washington had the had had the, the you know the chips were lined up the right way so um, that was sort of last year and also i liked that they were coming no one was really expecting them and someone had to be that team that surprised people this year for whatever reason i look at them let me say this on the surface i was like oh this was probably maybe a take a step back type of year and and just because they did all that last year and and lost a lot of key
1: lost a lot of key pieces in the defensive backfield.
0: Yeah, like three <laughs> legit first round talents. <laughs> yeah. Which is stupid, but yeah, that and so I was I was a little bit I mean I just sort of assumed this wasn't the team that that, that we should talk about for like national titles. But then I really look at the roster and man, I don't know. Like this is I, I maybe I'm overlooking them or maybe we've overlooked them again because this is Going to be a really tough team to handle once again. I mean, uh, uh, look, they're they're really good bookend tackles. Offensive tackles are back. Um, they lose a big time NFL receiver, but Dante Pettis is no slouch as a go to guy. And they really only threw to him and John Ross last year. Like they only had two guys that really caught significant amount of footballs. They've got plenty of talent out of the backfield of Miles Gaskin and Chico McClatcher, who's who's kind of a receiver who they'll get the ball to some in the run game. So offense they seem to be i mean they'll be fine and defensively they still got vita vea who's probably a potential first round draft pick uh azeem victor who's uh, you know maybe a first round draft pick (laughs) taylor rapp who's the freshman defensive player early year last year in the in the pac 12 so god i mean i i started to dig in and it's like whoa wait a minute man these guys are they gonna sneak up on us again i mean they're they're gonna be really good chip well i mean uh, Talk to yeah, like all right. <laughs> so
1: here's I think that uh, a step back it might be in store for Washington, but I think that that's also because when I'm like when I'm trying to find uh, the the team the teams that they're going to be playing on the schedule, like the step back is still going to be probably contending for the Pac-12 North, but I'm just bullish on Stanford. And I just think that's – and we'll get to the Cardinal here in a little bit. But, like, I just – I'm looking at it, and I'm feeling uh, – ah, man.
0: You know, here's the play. So if you want to look smart, you pick Washington in the playoffs again as a, as a Pac-12 champion because you're going to get to about 1, 2, 3, 4, 5, 6, 7, 8, 9, 10. You're going to get to week 11, and they'll be 9-0 and – and they'll be ranked in the top five, and then they get at Stanford, Utah, Washington State. Like that's, but I I could see that, like where because they're not going to lose their any of their three non-conferences. They, I mean, at Colorado, at Oregon State, Cal, at Arizona State. Like the, those three away games are probably all losable, but they're not. They'll, they'll be maybe double-digit is, favorites. Is
1: Jake is Jake Browning sneaky Heisman dark horse just because he's going to be the quarterback of like uh? a 9-0 and team come November?
0: Uh, yeah, he probably will be the same way he was this past year, but I'm going to tell you what. I, I am i am not a Jake Browning uh, believer. I'm See, a Jake Browning truther.
1: Like I, I, I kind of feel
0: like uh, defensive coordinators are going to figure him out. He just doesn't have a ton of arm talent. He's just a really good – I mean, he's a, don't get me wrong. He's a good quarterback, but he's not an NFL quarterback to but
1: me. But here's the thing is he gets to play uh, – Let's let's look at these defenses: Fresno State, uh, Cal, Arizona State. I mean, we're talking yep. about traffic cone defensive backfields. <laughs>
0: you know, you're right.
1: And you yeah. and you mentioned it, like Dante Pett. Like I my favorite thing about Dante Pettis, and I think that I forgot which game. It might have been. Uh, he had at least a couple of big returns. His play in the special teams is huge. Absolutely. Oh my gosh! It,
0: yeah, he had two touchdowns on on uh, punt returns last year uh he may have had one on kick i don't i mean he was he's he's a i mean that's that's him man he's a he's an x factor in that regard um so i, I you know I, again i think the key is going to be that that stretch of really you can extend it to 5 games UCLA Oregon at Stanford Utah and Washington state uh so they'll be
1: and they'll be picked s- apart for having a soft schedule like they're going to yeah. be catching that same kind of heat from uh from all the pundits when they are uh, like we start releasing the college football playoff selection committee rankings in like mid-October and they're going to be undefeated. So they're going to be up in the mix. And that, that is going to be like, they, you want to talk about calling our shot. We're about to go give our over under predictions for 10, but like, like I'll call my shot and feel even more confident that Washington is going to just be ripped apart by pundits for having a soft schedule when they're going to be put up against uh like a nasty, one loss florida state or something like that
0: yeah yeah i and and that's what i was saying like hey if you pick washington in the playoffs hey go ahead and retweet that pick like october 7th through october 28th bump like, retweet bump. the hell out of that thing <laughs> because you're you're going to be in jeopardy once october 28th hits i i'm going to go i I've, as i've talked through this i'm going to go under pushed under i think it's, i think they lose in that final stretch that five-game tear, I think, they, I think they lose two of those and maybe three. Uh, I, 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 would, I would think they would leave, lose three is more likely than they only lose one.
1: What if it's uh, – I'll tell you what. I'll go push to under, but I'm going to say they definitely aren't going to be able to beat uh, USC in the Pac-12 championship game. And depending on how the head-to-heads break, may not win the
0: division. I, I, I We're on the same page. I'm with you.
1: All right. The Stanford Cardinal. Big season, man.
0: Right? Big season. Yeah.
1: How do we so, feel about the quarterback position right now? Because I'm a Bryce – I'm big on Bryce Love. Got to shout out the uh, the Triangle area here in North Carolina. He was from Wake Forest, uh, the powerhouse of the Cap 8 Conference. Um, man, I just – where 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 was the concern where is the concern level regarding the quarterback position for stanford
0: that's a great question it, i mean that's that is the stanford season it boils down to that question is can we have any confidence that keller christ is the, is it the dude um and i don't know i don't know the answer to that i i think but i do think <clears throat> stanford has developed quarterbacks. I mean, Kevin Hogan sort of had moments in his career where he was pretty mediocre. And <laughs> yeah. Th- then you look up at the end of his career and, and, and he's a NFL draft pick and you know, you're like, Hey, that's he had like 40
1: prepared. win. He had like 40 wins as a starting quarterback or something ridiculous.
0: Yeah. Yeah. So I mean, I guess Keller Chris doesn't quite have that sort of experience to, to, to build on and to uh, dip into, but um, I, I think way, the way I typically feel about Stanford is that they'll get their quarterback figured out. They don't exactly—I don't know—they're—they're—they're they're creative enough offensively. Mike Bloomgren's a really good offensive coordinator. David Shaw obviously has a big role in that offense as well. I think that they'll figure it out. I, you know, the—did uh, you ever listen to Bill Simmons and the the Ewing theory? When uh, he would talk about how you know it started with Patrick Ewing when he left the Knicks, they got they got better because of it. Right. Uh, like I could see this being where Christian McCaffrey is gone and their offense is better because of it. Um, just because it forces them to get everyone else involved, it forces other guys to step up and make plays. They can't just rely on Christian McCaffrey. That offense was totally geared around McCaffrey. I mean, everything they did was about getting him the ball, finding different creative ways to 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 get him touches and you know, in some ways they're still very, I mean, Bryce love, as you mentioned is really good. They've got some quality receivers. They'll, they'll get into those two tight end sets with Caden Smith and, and Dalton Schultz and Colby Parkinson, who's the, the best tight end in the country from the freshman class. Um, <clears throat> and I think their offensive line should be improved. It was not as good as it typically has been last year. So I think they will be better there. Um, and, I just think I think this is going to be one of those I think this is a dark horse team. I think this is a team that is I'll I'll I will spoiler here. I'm I'm just going to go over. I think they're I think and I feel good about the over. I just think this is the year that Stanford takes a big step, surprises some people and is like one of the n- n- real national powers.
1: That um the the thing about their offensive line which is so huge to everything that they want to do is that like they get off the bus and they look stanford you know they they look like one of these offensive lines that was blocking for Stephen taylor as they're winning you know 10 11 games right. and going to a rose bowl they're all like six four, six five, three hundred 300 pounds uh they got a lot of upperclassmen in that rotation uh casey tucker like good player but as a unit last year man like what happened
0: I don't know. I I mean, I I really don't. I mean, I think that they were, um, you know, they'd lost a lot of NFL guys over the last couple of years. Maybe this was just their rebuilding cycle. Um, Keep in mind, too, one thing to remember about Stanford uh, is they signed two of the top three offensive tackles in the country in this past class. And they signed who I I had ranked at 24-7. As the number one player in the class of 2017, and this kid Walker Little. So, oh, Walker Little's a monster. I'm. I would not be shocked if they've got a true freshman starting at right or left tackle this this fall at some point in the process. Like he is an absolute beast. Uh, isn't so, he like seven feet?
1: <laughs> <laughs> like, isn't he like eight feet, five hundred pounds?
0: <laughs> he's like pushing six eight, and he's like three seventeen, and he is. He is the real deal. So uh, I, I've, I've, I mean, we'll see what how Mike Bloomgren feels weaving him in and, and and getting those guys involved. Foster Sorrell is the other one who's like six foot six, three twenty. Who's who's was number one player in the country for a while in the class. So they've got dudes on that offensive front. And whether this is the year they're all the way back, they will be all the way back on the offensive line before long. So um, they'll be all right there, I think. Um, and then I tell you. You got to mention defensively too. I think this is one of the best secondaries in college football. Ooh, I, I think Elijah Holder and Quentin Meeks are maybe the as as good as any pair of corners in the country. I love those two guys, and Justin Reed, the the younger brother of Eric Eric Reed, is I think a beast at safety. Is about to have a breakout season. So defensively, they're going to be great as they typically are. Um, I just. Look, top to bottom, I, this this Stanford team gets me excited. Like, if, if, if with everywhere, like we said, except for the quarterback, if they can just find consistent play at quarterback, I think they're going to be really good.
1: Yeah, eight and a half's too low. Like I'm, I would I would adjust the uh, the Bovada eight and a half to a nine or nine and a half, and then yeah. it, at nine or nine and a half, I have to start to uh you know start to figure out how I'm feeling about it. But the reason why I love them. As uh, as a Pac-12 North favorite, the, one of the reasons why I, I really really like that is that I think that the only two games in conference play that I'm looking at as potential losses are to Pac-12 South teams, which means I think that they should get that like almost two game advantage that you get from the head-to-head tiebreakers on a Washington or an Oregon because they get both of them at home.
0: Yeah, yeah. At USC at Utah is 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 rough.
1: It's tough. Uh, I mean, that's that's those are the two games that are that to me are the toughest conference games on their schedule. I think they take care of business uh, against Rice and San Diego State. What? Well, this is,
0: I mean, not to cut you off. Sorry, I thought thought you were closing out there, but I, this is a tough schedule top to bottom because yeah, they get Rice, but you mentioned at San Diego State, they're at Oregon State on a Thursday night, phew. at Washington State. Now they got Notre Dame to end the season. They got Washington. I mean, it. I mean, this is one of the tougher schedules out there, I, I would imagine. I
1: mean, that could help them in the college football playoff, but that would also mean that they would have to uh, win, the, win the North and then also uh, win in a rematch versus USC. But that, those would be about as impressive a wins as you could have coming down the stretch. What about Stanford as a playoff dark horse?
0: Yeah, if they can roll through this schedule, absolutely. That's what I'm saying. I think that's their ceiling is, is, is playoffs. I think, they could, I think they could get there. Um, it's the, it's the eighth toughest schedule in the country preseason. So that's, that's a pretty good, you know, feather in your cap there for the college football playoffs. I think if they can get through this regular season with one loss, um, and and get to the Pac-12 title game, they're, they're they're in if they win.
1: The Colorado, uh Colorado had an unbelievable season last year. Great breakthrough, Pac-12 South champions, Mike McIntyre, coach of the year, pretty much across the board. But man, like the the defense in particular, and that defense was uh was a strong, strong part, especially in the defensive backfield, a strong, strong part of a lot of their success. Um well, just all over the board, that team just had a lot of juniors and seniors. This team has lost yeah. a ton of the key players from a year ago man I'm looking at at seven and a half as the over under here, and I'm feeling very confident uh about the under just just with so many question marks and with it being and like i I hate that I'm leaning on this, but with it being Colorado
0: you know yeah i i th- i actually think that's fair I mean they Cause, because last year was really a perfect storm in a lot of ways. They, they they did have all kinds of senior leadership and experience and guys that have been through the fire. And, and uh, Jim Leavitt had put together a really good defense. And they had a, a quarterback that was tough and, and a good leader. And um, I, I still think offensively they're going to score points this year. I think, you know, Steven Montez played last year. He has a little bit of experience. Um, they've got what nine starters returning. All their top pass receivers uh, are, are are returning. Philip Lindsay's a good back. They'll they'll be okay on offense. And and really even like last year, I remember turning on Colorado beginning of the year and watching them against Colorado State, and I was like, whoa, like what who who are these guys? Like who is this Colorado <laughs> team that is really fun to watch and just getting after? Colorado State they beat them like 44 to 7 and and play with great pace so they've got a little bit of like the Texas Tech tempo they're going to be tough to defend but again they they lost Jim Levitt they lost eight starters a bunch of NFL guys on defense not a lot of guys on that defensive side of the ball that I look at and I'm like and I'm I'm super worried about offensively Uh, so it's I'm with you I I like the under. DJ Elliott was a good defensive coordinator higher, but I think this year they take a step back. I think it's a seven, 7 win season feels right to me.
1: Yeah, 7 and 5 and that and you know a fun 7 and 5 in there. Uh I think that there's going to be a, I don't think there's going to be many and this is one thing especially about a big step back from like playing in the Pac-12 championship is while uh like uh, Jadobi or Tedrick Thompson, like those players that I was referencing in the open, while they are gone, it's not like the players that are coming up behind them didn't benefit from all of that experience. I feel like Colorado is going to be in a lot of games, but when it comes to like picking them to win eight of them, uh, I just can't go there. Seven and five. Give me the under.
0: Yeah, yeah. We're, we're on uh, the same page there. We're, we're, I think we're, are we agreed on everything so far?
1: Uh, think so well, sorry that's,
0: that's right, man we're that's that's consensus money-making right there well the, let-
1: the yeah, yeah exactly so if you're if you've been fading us then you should feel super confident <laughs> right. in your uh, fade picks but boy invest in Jake Brown and win in 11 games that you're in risk <laughs>
0: that's that's right that's right <laughs> all
1: right Willie Taggart arrives in Eugene Oregon this is – it has been a little bit of a tumultuous first couple of months, but in something – in a way, I think the fact that Oregon is, has flown below the radar uh, here after that start to the – after the first start to the Willie Taggart era during the offseason with the conditioning, um, with assistant coaches, you know, there, there has been less Oregon in the headlines, and I think Willie Taggart would say that's a good thing. What do we know about Willie Taggart? We believe that in bringing the same offense that made uh, guys like Quentin Flowers and Marlon Mack, like, must-see TV in the American Athletic Conference, that the skill position talent that should be in place at Oregon is going gonna, is gonna to fit. Now, that I think that the popular concerns of the final years of Oregon football probably still exist where you're looking at the defensive side of the ball – and you're you're trying to figure out what it's going to look like, and whether they're going to be able to get the stops they need to close games out. I I feel like Willie Taggart. All right, let's go. First of all, Willie Taggart, did you like the hire? Do you think it's a good fit? Like, is this a, a transition that you think uh, will allow both school and coach to continue to grow uh, after you know still being big picture in their infancy among college football, you know, big time college football.
0: I liked the hire. I suspected that it was a good fit. And then as I've seen the hires he's made subsequently and the way they've recruited since that hire, I, I feel even more confident that it's a good fit. I think he's going to win games here. And I think he's put together a staff that's going to recruit really well because that that's the big thing that Oregon was missing is they, they had fallen into this complacency as a recruiting staff where they could just rely on – the offensive scheme and the pace, and the excuse me, and the uh, the uniforms and the facilities, and they could get guys all over the country and didn't have to work as hard. Well, everyone plays with a at, with a pace now. Everyone has you know high powered offenses. Everyone has uniform combinations, and everyone has crazy facilities. So the the playing field got leveled and. Oregon didn't keep up at doing what they had to do recruiting wise. Willie Taggart has come in and hit the ground running. They're already a top 10 class in this 2018 cycle recruiting. I think the hires he's made, guys like Mario Cristobal, um, Jim Jim Levitt, Joe Salavea, who's a great recruiter on the defensive front, really good poly recruiter. And then Jim Levitt, who, and so I I think the long and short of it is like, I don't know if this defense is going to be great this year, but they're going to have good defense and Eugene with with Jim Levitt there in the future. So that is encouraging. They're going to be able to score points because Willie Taggart has proven he can do that. Um, but ultimately, this was, you know, last year wasn't as much a talent problem as much as it was a culture problem. I just think it was a soft team. They were finesse. They, they had sort of become a little bit entitled. And, and you saw it during the year. I mean, true freshmen were calling out the upperclassmen publicly. Brendan Schooler, was, was one of those guys. Um, and so I think that there's a toughness that needs to be ingrained in this team. And the fact that you can't really do that in one just one cycle is why I'm, I'm a little bit on the under. I, I think it's easy to look at Oregon and be like, oh, four and eight, Willie Taggart's here, hot new coach, uh, experienced quarterback, we got skill, yeah, eight and four. and But I, I think it's going to take a little bit more time I don't think this is going to be a team that's just all of a sudden is, is night and day different. Uh, I, I went, I'm went, i going under. I mean, I think kind of seven and five is, to me, is a fair improvement and, and a reasonable improvement and still one that's, that's uh, significant, but it's not over the top. So I lean under here with Oregon. I think they'll be a really good team. I think they'll be a tough out for everybody. But I don't know that you fix – all the problems from last year in just one cycle.
1: Ah, man, but, like, Royce Freeman's still there. Tony Brooks
0: James, still there. Is – is, and I like Royce Freeman, but is he – like, is he – who would you compare him to? Like, who's what, – what What tier nationally at the running backs would you put him in? He's not in that, like, Saquon Barkley, Darius no. Geist, Nick Chubb tier. He's probably in – either the tier below that or, Don, or you, he's he's you know. he's
1: this year's Donnell Pumphrey where you're gonna like tune in and you're gonna be like oh damn there's another 120 yard game oh <laughs> damn there's another 120 yard game
0: yeah but, I mean he's a tough dude to bring down there's no question he's a big strong physical cat uh but I don't know if I just I don't know if you put him on your back and they lost Darren Carrington who's their best receiver coming back yeah uh I don't know, man. Like I feel, like I think they'll be good. I think they'll be a seven-win team. But um, you sound like you're ready to go eight or nine wins.
1: Yeah, I'm. I'm pushed to over. Uh, and here's why. I think that I think I mentioned it for Nebraska. I feel like that Nebraska game in Eugene is just going to be huge. Nebraska is going to be taking a little bit of a step back. They're going to be like jazzed up for it. And so if that's a win, and if they can avoid getting trapped at Arizona State. I see this Oregon team starting 5-0 and and maybe 6-0 and before they have to go to Stanford. And then things are going to get rough where you go at Stanford, at UCLA, Utah. Like, that's probably two losses right there. At Washington gives you three. But then you finish with Arizona at home and then the Civil War at home. I Like, I can get to 8-4 and four pretty quickly. And depending on whether or not they're able to avoid, like, losing at UCLA and at Arizona State um then you know maybe this thing gets to maybe this thing gets to 9 and 3 but again like because they're going to lose at Stanford and at Washington I'm not going to consider them a Pac-12 dark horse I'm not going to consider them uh, you know a Pac-12 north favorite but I think that with the schedule with Justin Herbert taking a step forward and the defense is what concerns me because it took Jim Levitt 2 years to turn a horrendous Colorado defense, start to turn a horrendous Colorado defense around. So it's not going to be instant. But I think I, I really like Royce Freeman. I think there's just going to be like a steady production and the fact that they're just going to be able to outgun some of these teams in the Pac-12 before they get into like mid-October. Uh, I think you, you stack up those wins. You build some confidence. I think eight and four is, is where I'm setting the bar. So I'm push to over on my pick.
0: Okay. I mean let me let me just throw this out. Do you remember how bad USF was that first year of Willie Taggart's where they went 2 and 10 and didn't even look two wins good? Yeah. And I that's not to say that that necessarily translates to this except for the fact that like Willie Taggart is going to build for the long game. Like this isn't I he, I don't think he's the type of coach that's looking for some overnight quick fix. And I think he is Installing a culture. And I just think that takes a little time to catch hold. So I hear you. I'm, I'm going to stay with my under. So there's here's our first disagreement. Uh, and uh, I think it'll be a really interesting year where they have a lot of highs and a couple of lows. Like I could see a hey, at Washington, or at, like they go Nebraska, at Wyoming, at Arizona State in weeks two, three, four. Those are three games that we'll find out a lot about them. Like yeah. if they take care of business in those three. Which is what I'm
1: predicting. Like I'm, I'm predicting that they're gonna, they're gonna tear through the first half of that schedule and build a lot of good juice moving forward.
0: And that's, and that's fair. And that, and, ben, and if, if they do, then I'll be sitting here. You know, you can, you'll already be able to. I'll, I'll wave the white flag and say, all right, you're gonna win this one. But I, I, I bet you that they slip up somewhere along the way, whether it's against Cal or Arizona State or even Wyoming on the road. Josh there's
1: Allen some, just lights them up on his like, NFL a, draft game. There's some game. traps
0: in there. There's yeah. some tricky spots, uh, some booby traps they got to avoid. Uh, and, and if they do, then, then, hey, you're on it. I think that if they take care of business of the games they're supposed to win, then it'll be a really good year.
1: All right. Uh, on to UCLA where you've got Josh Rosen. Josh Rosen, Josh Rosen, Josh Rosen, and a huge season for Jim Mora to prove to us that uh, the the, UC, the Jim Mora at UCLA uh, experience is worth all of the hype because when you look at his tenure there, it is uh, especially considering that USC has been down. I think that the ultimately we will look back at this and be a little bit disappointed that UCLA didn't win more, whether it was with Brett Hundley, whether it was with Josh Rosen, and I know Josh Rosen had to get shut down last year for health, but when you have USC, big, badass USC, having its down cycle, man, in in the world of division football, you've got to be able to surge. Like in the ACC, when Florida State and Clemson were down, Boston College and Wake Forest won conference titles. you got to figure out a way to get up there, and UCLA hasn't really been able to do it. Man, six and a half here. What's what's where's our head at with the Bruins?
0: Well, at six, if the over under is six and a half, aren't we basically saying that it's a over under on whether or not Jim Mora is the fired. head coach next year? Hundred, <laughs> like hundred percent. If he's under six and a half, brother, he's he's looking for a new job. I think. Um, and I and I really, I think even more than that. Like, I think if we look at week one with Texas A and M at home for UCLA, that one. Is a game where the loser of that game probably has a new head coach next year. Instant, like I think, instant hot seat, like yeah, scorching. Like and and then I think and both of those teams have some other losable games early. I mean, if if say UCLA loses a And M, they're not going to be favored against Stanford by any stretch. Um, and so if they start the season say two and or three and two even uh, with still on and USC and and Oregon on the schedule, it's just it's going to be. It's going to be tricky. So, where I'm at with UCLA is I, I think I, I just look. So you have Rosen, who's who is obviously a first round talent, and he's a stud, but he's his health is a question mark. They were like se- like second worst in the country last year running the football, and I know all those guys like the the offensive line returns, their running backs return. But they returned the guys that were the worst in the country running the football. So I don't know how we have a lot of confidence in their run game. You know, they they've got a new offensive coordinator in Jed Fish, who's who. Oh who, boy,
1: <laughs> that doesn't. Yeah, all respect. You. To, all, all respect to Jed Fish, but <laughs> man, he's, uh, he's he's like a a wet sandwich of an excitement hire.
0: It's a yeah. I mean, it doesn't exactly like. Move the needle in terms of just flipping the offense around. Um, I just think this is a team that is. I look at their team offensively and defensively, and I kind of see front runners. I don't feel like they're tough. I think this is play. Play the sound, Chip. Let's just play the sound. I, I I'll let I'll I let Gabe Marks talk is, for me. Kind of come off as bad guys when they do things like that. I don't know if they do that to everybody, but it's just
1: kind of like. You know, it's kind of douchey, you know. Is that, like, okay to say? Mm -hmm. I mean, don't cut that. Let's be honest. It makes you look like, you know, like, you know, you're trying to be tough because everyone thinks that, you know, because you live in Westwood and you wear baby blue that you're not tough. And it makes you look less tough because you're trying too hard.
0: It's just weird, you know. You don't have to do that. You don't have to do that. I love it. I love my dude Gabe Marks. That guy is the best quote in college football. But he said, "Like it's a it was such a good soundbite for for UCLA because they it was after UCLA had gone like they played Washington State they, like, and they were warmed
1: like, up on their side of the field or yeah, something like
0: just sort of just a stupid kind of weird like tough guy thing to do and then they go out and get beat and it's like. That to me is what you like. UCLA needs to put up or shut up. Like, be about that life or not. Like, you need to come on the field and 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 like they they were four and eight last year, and and they were throwing it seventy one times with their backup quarterback. I mean, what are you? You got a you got a, a top one hundred running back in Soso Jamabo in your backfield. You've recruited well. You've got a bunch of offensive linemen that were highly recruited guys. Uh, you got a first round NFL draft pick. As an edge rusher, I, I just you know this is not a team that necessarily. I, I just don't know if I line them up in a dark alley and think they're going to come out and 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 win the street fight. uh The the exception of that, I love Kenny Young. I think he's a really good linebacker. I think Jaleel White is a really good safety, but I don't have confidence in this team to to hit the over. I I lean under on this squad and. I, I, again i think to me it's just about toughness they don't strike me as a tough football team
1: and you know what is the other part of that toughness is that i don't have confidence that if things go poorly early that they're not just going to pack it up
0: agree i think it's yes yeah, same like that, that is in sort of the same train of thought like and and i think the coaching situation has, will, will contribute to that too like if there's suddenly dog just, they could
1: lose at memphis what if Mike yeah, Nor- what if Mike Norvell lights them up and all of a sudden they are like one in three going into a home game against Colorado September thirtieth that like nobody comes to?
0: Yeah, that's a tough. That, that's a you know that, the AD gets a little bit of heat for that one because man, if you're scheduling a, a road game all the way out in Memphis for a team that's hot. Um, that that's going to be a tough matchup. So yeah, I think they have some. They have three or I mean, shoot, Colorado's will be quality. I mean, they got four losable games up front. It's gonna be you got go to go at Washington,
1: at Utah, at USC down the stretch.
0: Yeah, that, those are three losses. I mean, just chalk those up. Yeah. Right now. Um we just so- got to six
1: and six real fast. <laughs>
0: right. <laughs> like, and, right. And,
1: and that's not even like considering uh, the idea that they could just like totally pack it up and then like lose to. I mean, yeah. The uh, the the question in my mind is going to be how does UCLA's administration handle this? Do they uh, just do they pull is Tom, isn't Tom Bradley still on the staff?
0: DC, yeah. yeah. I think.
1: He's been in an interim before. He can do this. <laughs> right.
0: Yeah. And, and and look, hey, Josh Rosen could put him on like that's gonna be it'll be a fascinating season for Josh Rosen. Because he's he, like I said, he's got not only first round draft, but he's got number one overall ability. So does Josh Rosen have that year that we've all been waiting for him to have and and just puts him on his back and, and is the Heisman finalist at the end of the year? Uh, I mean, it could flip that way too, but I I don't necessarily have the full confidence in Rosen's health. Don't necessarily have full confidence in the guys around him. Um, you know, I'm I'm gonna feel better about a six and six than a seven and five at the squad.
1: Washington State. Um, I feel like Washington State in the Luke Falk era, and maybe even the the success of Luke Falk has just a a grander statement on Mike Leach. But uh, the time that he has spent there and the work that he has put in sort of has me in a spot with Washington state where I'm thinking, you know, like this will be his sixth season. He's 29 and 34, but moving forward, like unless something crazy happens, I assume that Washington state is going to be a like six or seven or eight win team. Pretty much every like it won't dip below uh, a five, you know, a five and seven. Maybe if the quarterback gets hurt and they just don't have uh, a backup that's ready to go. But there is some like some real consistency to this program that uh, that I think is the next step to like really ensuring some longevity for Coach Leach and Pullman.
0: I, I mean I, I really like this team. I agree. I th- and I think that this is it's a slow grind to get here with Washington State. It, it's it's not an easy fix. You can't just right away have a top ten recruiting class and and you're off and running. It takes some time. And I think right now we're gonna look at the most talented roster Mike Leach has had. They you know, they returned sixteen starters, um solid returned- up
1: front on offense.
0: Solid up front offensively. They return nine on defense. Hercules Mataafa, who is one of the best defensive linemen in, in America, um, you know Luke Falk as you mentioned. Like Luke Falk is is has to be the odds on favorites to come in like fourth in the Heisman Trophy. You know, like, you know <laughs> he what I won't, mean? Like, Yeah, he
1: won't win it, but he's, he's going to put it. up some numbers and take down some career records that'll keep his name in the headlines.
0: Exactly. Like he might do just enough to sniff. New York, but but no 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 shot at the actual trophy. But he's going to be really good. Um, you know, I, as I was scouring the country this spring for spring games, uh, I wasn't able to dig up Washington State's, but I, I, that was one I would have liked to have seen. But my guy Anthony Heron, who called the game for the Pac-12 Network, I asked him how they looked, and and he said like he, he thought that this was uh, one of the best rosters that he's seen for washington state he said tavaris martin's got all american written all over him um who's sort of the next in line he's he's like a more talented version of Gabe marks um i think james williams is going to be really good as as their running back as they get him more touches so i i i like this team a lot i i'm going to go over and i you know this is this is mike leach's you remember that Texas Tech year where they beat Texas and no, uh, this ain't that year. Know? I'm just saying it's a year. This is he's got one of those in him. I know. Why isn't this this year? I I could see something. I could see Washington State. Anyways, I, I'm gonna pick them at, at eight and four. But like if they win nine or ten games, it would not blow me away. Sick.
1: That's awesome.
0: Uh, you I'm, said hey, you said they got USC Friday night. Like we we both agree that's a tough spot for USC. There's there's an opportunity there for them to make some like national noise this fall that's fun um
1: i'm going under i think seven and five sounds right it's just there, the like the the volatility is is still there like it, it's the it's uh it might be eight wins like they might get to this might be an eight and five but you know matching last year's final record by the end of the season where they go and they win the bowl game but uh man let I me. Mean, yeah I'm, I'm gonna go under Seven and five. We're taking right. the, taking the opposite side on that one.
0: So we got a couple. We got a couple money bets. Like we need to make a couple of uh, two dollar bets on this thing and see, you know, buy buy a beer or so after the season.
1: I think. Uh, I think. I, oh yeah, yeah, yeah. We'll. Uh, we'll be able to be at Jester's down in Fort Lauderdale pretty soon. So All right. you can Done. you can see you can come play uh, come play darts with Tom Fernelli and I in one of the uh, one of a legendary sports bar. In the yeah, you, in the office park region of Fort Lauderdale,
0: yeah, you strike me as a dart ringer, so I'm a I'll, I'll be careful on that one, but uh, but yeah, we'll 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 get some beers on the line here.
1: All right, uh, Oregon State is in a position where uh, you know you talk about an uphill battle; it's not an instant fix. Like, geez, Gary Anderson, like this is. I don't know what his contract is, but I kind of feel like you had to invest in him like super long-term, right? Like this, there is not much expectation that Oregon State's going to be out here uh, competing for Pac-12 North titles really anytime soon. But this season brings some excitement over under five and a half. Barton, are the Beeves going to be bowling come December?
0: That's a big number, right? It's a like, big number. Were you number. surprised to see that number that big?
1: And just like gut, gut instinct just pulled me to under real fast. Yeah. Like I was just like five and a half. Nah, they're going to win five games. It'll be five and seven.
0: Because I, I want to, I want to like this team more than the sort of common perception. I want to be, I want to pick over for for Oregon, but I can't. I don't know if I can get above five and a half. I think this is. I mean, it's been a steady grind. It was two and ten to 4 and 8 in year 3 I think this is just a an incremental step forward I think it's a 5 and 7 year I think I mean Gary Anderson is is a really good coach he's in his third year he's got his guys he returns a lot of them they're in his system um I this sort of strikes me as a team that's going to shock somebody they're going to they're going to get a big upset I don't know who it's going to be you know the Washingtons and USC's and Oregon's and, and I mean, I got Oregon last year so that, you know, that they'll, they'll be on red alert, but I think everybody needs to take this, this game seriously, especially if you're playing at Corvallis. Uh, but that said, I think they may get an upset, but I, I don't know that they've got the, the consistency to be able to win it out. Uh, you know, I think five wins sounds right. This is a team I think is going to be better than people realize, but just hard for me to get behind a bowl season with the other teams they got to beat.
1: Now I will say, uh, and we're going to get to uh, the 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 Copper State here in just a second once after we tackle utah but i do think that a lot of these down here near the bottom of the pack 12 depend on where you're at with arizona and arizona state and i will admit uh that i'm a big shruggy like a shruggy emoji right now um uh, <laughs> but let's 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 hit the youths first a team where i feel much 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 more confident in in terms in terms of like overall program stability like kyle whittingham Uh, For those that don't remember, Kyle Whittingham was in an interesting spot with the administration there for a hot second. He had a lot of turnover on his staff, and I kind of felt like... In the same way that there was that video of him sitting in the cafeteria through a fire alarm and just staying on the phone and just kept recruiting <laughs> even though everyone else evacuated the cafeteria. He just he only had but so many minutes of the day and he had planted his flag. That's the way it feels that like Kyle Whittingham's done at Utah. He's planted his flag, the fire alarms went off, everybody freaked out and evacuated, and you know what? He's still there, and he is gonna have nasty defenses good special teams and doggone it. Like he'll figure out a way he might need Joe Williams to come out of retirement again, but he'll figure out a way uh, to piece together uh, a bowl caliber season. Like, am I, am I off on that analysis?
0: No, man. I'm, I I like, I think Utah is going to be scary again. I think that this is the same Utah team we've always seen. And and, I mean, as far as defensively, they're going to be really good. Lola Lele is, is back. They've got – they lost some talent in the secondary, but they got two of the best Juco defensive backs in the country. And Coryon Ballard, who's probably going to be the starting free safety, um, and, and Marquise Blair, who's going to back up Chase Hansen, who's already a dude uh, who's there. So, And so their defensive front's going to be great. Kylie Fitz is, is, is back healthy. I mean, I, they're going to be really good defensively like they always are. Um, and then you look offensively. They're getting Darren Carrington which is not insignificant. Correct. He's a grad transfer that just got a DUI at Oregon. Now he's going to Utah and, and I think he's going to have an impact. Uh, they've got good receivers in that program that they lost a couple key guys, Tim Patrick, Corey Butler bird, but they've got guys behind them that I think can play. Damari Simpkins being one of them, a young guy that just sort of sniffed it as a freshman. I think he'll be a good player. Um, and then there's their quarterbacks. Not not only does, is Troy Williams I think really capable. Cooper Batman. Cooper Bateman's <laughs> there. That's right. And Tyler Huntley who who almost won the job as a true freshman last year despite it not really supposed to be a, it wasn't supposed to be a competition and he 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 come kind of got in there in the mix. So they've got enough arms there that that they'll they can make some plays and and they've got a new offense this year uh troy taylor is a new offensive coordinator this is the same guy that coached jake browning to all these high school national records at folsom Ooh. high school in california um he was at eastern washington last year he's going it's going to be a wide open offense and i think it's the type of offense that will figure out a way to score points no matter what uh and so i'm looking around and and i think this team's pretty dang good like i think this is a team that is similar to last year where you could see them beating just about anybody and you don't think they're going to go undefeated, but you just every game you look at it and you say, well, watch out for Utah. Um, so six and a half, I actually easy. am going to confidently go over easy, easy seven. Yeah.
1: Like, uh, I go like, and this is, and this is even like not even jumping on B like North Dakota, San Jose state. Uh, and then I, I, at Arizona, Get Arizona State at home, um, you know UCLA and Washington State both at home, Colorado at home. I think those were eight games that I think that they could win, and that's confidently saying they win seven of them.
0: Yeah, I'm, I'm, I I'm probably still over at seven and a half. You wow. know, I'm, I'm yeah. I, I like this team a lot, and Kyle Whittingham is is a really good coach. I liked your description of them, uh, and and this is this is just going to be another nasty physical team that that just actually is a little prettier on the offensive side of the ball and so it's I think they're going to be a good squad
1: all right um Arizona's at five Arizona's at five and a half Arizona State's at five uh both are juiced to the under do you think uh between Rich Rodriguez and Todd Graham who is more likely to still be the head coach in 2018
0: I'll go Todd Graham on that one Uh, And and I think it's – I just look at Arizona's roster and I don't – no one's jumping out at me. Like I'm not seeing the guys that are going to save the job. And I see – I think an offense is probably going to be able to put up points. I don't necessarily see a defense that's going to be able to stop people. I mean that defense has gotten worse every year each of the past four seasons. And I don't know that there's any reason to think things are going to turn this year. They've got – I think they're you know they'll have a more healthy backfield. Nick Wilson if he can stay healthy is a really good back. They've got guys like Nathan Tilford at running back who's coming in, JJ Taylor, Sean Brown. Guys like that who I think are playmakers. So I think they'll score points. There there's a lot of overs to be had on this Arizona schedule. But I, I don't necess- I, I I'm taking what's their what's the Arizona line? 5. I'm going to go under. Yeah. Dude, I think I think this
1: could be three and nine for the Wildcats.
0: Yeah. Like, like, yeah, I think I think and I there's there's a little bit of a defeatist attitude coming out of Rich Rodriguez right now too. Like when he talks, I don't know, he was talking recently, I saw some from Pac twelve B D days where he was saying it's you know, you you get a masters in, in rejection when you're not recruiting at one of the brand name schools. Just, you know, things like that, he doesn't quite have the swagger he used to. Yeah. And um, so I, I don't I don't have a ton of confidence in Arizona. The one thing before we moved to Arizona State, the one thing that that's fascinating about Arizona, they got this kid Donovan Tate coming in, who was a top 100 recruit coming out of high school, first round draft pick pick in baseball, who went on to a mediocre minor league career. He's 26, almost 27 years old now. He's walking on at Arizona with a wife and three kids, and uh, you know, going to dive into the quarterback competition. So. That's just sort of an interesting footnote. I'll be, it'll be fun to see whether or not he can sniff the field and, and and regain his footing. But he's definitely a talented, talented dude.
1: Donovan Tate, the next Brandon Whedon, he'll be really, really good for the next Arizona head coach. Um, yeah, I'm That's going right. under. I think it's three yeah. and nine or four and an eight, four and eight. And like Rich Rodriguez. Like, super, super fun coach when he's got it rolling, like in terms of the character that he brings to the fabric of college football. But you're right, man. I'm not feeling the swagger at all. It's just, no. it's just not there. Uh, at Arizona State, the win totals just a little bit higher. Uh, or the, at Arizona, it's at five. Arizona State's five. Arizona's five and a half. So we are – That
0: was surprising to me. Yeah.
1: So Arizona State, you've got more confidence uh, in the Sun Devils. They were five and seven – a year ago. Um, what what do you like about this team and like Todd Graham, after all that jumping around, you know, after after really having part of his uh like part of the jokes for Todd Graham, aside from the Britney Spears headset, were the fact that, you know, he had all the dream jobs in the world. Like he went from a Tulsa to Pitt from yeah. Pitt, you know. Uh yeah. but he's you know, this is his he's been there five years, got a 39 and 26 record there. You know, you got a uh, one Pac-12 South title. Like he w- he was able to to do that. USC is down. We're going to go and we're going to win the thing. Have that kind of season. Um, you know, what inspires great confidence here because I I don't I'm not worried about Arizona State like I'm worried about Arizona in terms of you know, the big picture and certainly uh, you know, you can find the talented players between, like a Demario Richard or a Kalen Ballage, Mister, like what eight hundred yards, whatever he had last year in that one game. Uh, I just, I think that in the pecking order of the Pac-12, they are near the bottom.
0: I mean, I think that's a fair statement, but I think there's some reasons to to think that they're going to be better this year. So, I mean, first of all, there the 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 win totals is five, and they were five and seven last year, and they return a lot i think they'll be better i think the the one thing i like about this team one is is for one the pro like todd graham has no one to blame for their lack of success other than himself i mean their defense has been really bad and now he's got a defensive coordinator coming in and phil bennett from baylor who i think can maybe ground them defensively can give todd graham some take, take some off his plate uh, and, and get another set of eyes on this defense so they're not just blitzing everybody in the world and and, and getting roasted on the back end. Um, uh, so I think that they'll be better on defense. They've got, in my opinion, in JoJo Wicker and Karan Crump, a couple of the best defensive ends in, in college football. I mean, that's a really good pairing right there that can can really disrupt some things. DJ Calhoun is really good at the linebacker position. He's a big hard hitter. Um, and and then, you know, unfortunately Kareem Moore, who's was one of their best defensive backs, transferred to UT Chattanooga because he got his his girlfriend pregnant, which is just crazy to think about. Like if you think about if you're a head coach of the college football team, you're I got like you're girlfriend coaching pregnant. for your job go. this year. <laughs> like you you are trying to stay employed, and your best defensive back comes to your office. You know, in the spring, and says, "Hey, coach, I got to go back home. I got my girlfriend pregnant." Which is, hey, man, go. You, know, you got to do what you got to do. That's like, I, life. That happens. That's life. But man, that's that's tough to swallow. Like, if you're the coach, like, man, that's that's tough to see him go. So they're gonna have to they're gonna have to address some things on the back end. But I still think they're gonna score points. They've got Manny Wilkins coming back at quarterback. He's gonna have to hold off Blake Barnett, with the Alabama transfer. Kalen Bilaj and Demario Richards are, are quality backs with a lot of talent. Nikhil is one of the best in the country at receiver. There's just I think there's things to like with this team, and I I like them going six and six, and and, and I, I think they'll have their moments.
1: Push, five and seven, just a hater. Just I'm just <laughs>
0: all right. Here's here's what I
1: got. Um, I think that San Diego State is a is a tough game. I think at Texas Tech in a season where boy Cliff Kingsbury needs every single win he can get is a tough game.
0: That could be another
1: Thunderdome
0: game there where, <laughs> could. where one man two <laughs> men in or one man leave. Like the, the, the loser of that game could be out.
1: Um, you know, you they gotta go at Utah. You've got USC and Washington at home, but I don't have a ton of confidence that they're gonna be like that's gonna be the trap for either one of those. Um yeah, good good season, decent team, solid team. Maybe they get one of those upsets like you're saying, but uh five and seven. Give me that give me that push. All right. I can live with it. All right. Wrapping it up, Justin Wilcox at Cal. You bring in Justin Wilcox because goodness gracious there has been no defense in recent years, as uh as as Jared Goff has been playing seven on seven football. Uh, on his way to getting a getting a uh, NFL job, the the Justin Wilcox move is with long term thoughts, right? Like this is we are seeing a total reversal of style at Cal that will take time.
0: Yeah, yeah. Well, I mean, total reversal in style defensively, I guess. I mean, I don't, I'm not even. Uh, I guess Wilcox is what he's like a three four guy. Uh, I don't even know what they were running last year uh, defensively, but I, I mean, offensively, it's still going to be the same, same wide open spread system. They're getting the Eastern Washington head coach, who's been putting up stupid numbers for that FCS program. So, I don't know. Like I wanted to, I wanted to hate on this team pretty bad. I was just on the surface. I I, I didn't necess- I wasn't necessarily super inspired by the Justin Wilcox hire. And I wasn't. I didn't necessarily think that. You know, I, I was worried about the quarterback situation, losing Davis Webb. I don't think they have the guy behind him that's going to necessarily step in and 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 make a seamless transition. But the the thing I will give Washington is, I mean, they got eight guys coming back on defense, so it's not like I mean, they don't have to rebuild defensively. They just have to start playing defense. Um, and then offensively, they they still are really really good. At the skill position, they still are. They still have a running back of Trey Watson, who's a good player. They've got some of the best wide receiving receivers in the country from a talent perspective. Demetrius Robertson is a, is an absolute beast. Uh, Demetrius
1: Robertson, who brought the uh, the Notre Dame truck down to Atlanta, Georgia, right? You mean right. from Georgia?
0: It, yeah, yeah, the guy that Cal beat Alabama and Georgia and and Notre everybody <laughs> else on. You know, uh, huh. so he's, he's weird. The
1: what was in Uh, Cal's equipment truck
0: (laughs) but uh you know and so the and and then so when I think about like how much do I really am I worried about the quarterback position well I think they've got an offensive system that's going to be able to um minimize the need for like a big time quarterback so I started talking myself a little bit into the over I mean it's a low number at three and a half is it dude all right so all right I, are you? Did you talk yourself into four and eight? I may have talked myself into four and eight. Wow. Yeah.
1: Yeah, I. I mean, is Justin Wilcox ready to rally the troops when this team starts one and six with its only win before late October coming against Weber State?
0: I. Th- well, I mean, so all right. So let's say they go one and six, and they would beat Weber State, and then they got. Watch this. So we got Arizona at colorado oregon state at stanford at ucla yeah all right i mean i get you
1: yeah like and <laughs> and, and that's where and that's where i'm looking at it and i'm like yeah like two and like winning another game means that you've gotten a uh a confidence building win which you were probably an underdog and winning two more games is the kind of stuff that you can build on
0: yeah this is a tough team to figure out and and, and Justin Wilcox is enough of a, a, a anomaly to me. Like I, I don't quite know him well enough. Like I just know where he's been. I know what he's done. I, but I haven't, I haven't seen his press conferences. I don't know what kind of presence he has. I've heard he's sort of like a quirky guy. Um, we just got I've, that
1: gif of him licking his lips from right. all those years ago. <laughs> yeah,
0: that's a, that is a good go-to. <laughs> uh, so no, I, I don't, I, I haven't gotten a good feel for like what he is as a leader yet, I guess. And so, um, yeah, I don't know. It's hard. This is a hard one for me. Cause I just, are they two games worse than last year? I probably, from a, from a personnel standpoint, they're not, but I guess I get, I get your point. So, you know, i I'm, I'm, hemming and Holland on this one i'll 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 stay over and let you work on the under and uh but it's it's going to be tough to get there
1: yeah it's going to be real and again you you get oregon state like that's a winnable game they're at home arizona like those games where like the final two Pac 12 home games are games that if it's taking a season to get all your stuff into place at least those last two home games aren't you know usc and washington right
0: I'm under, I'm, I'm, I'm back under I'm just, <laughs> <laughs> like there. Yeah. There's gonna, I think Oregon state is probably a better team than them. Oh, I definitely they probably do. will be. But I was so, just, I was
1: just thinking like in terms of uh, like if, like if you're going to get somebody from the bottom of the pack 12, at least you're not asking for, for it to be near the top.
0: And I think, you know, Justin Wilcox may be the real deal and he may be a really good coach and maybe the answer but I still th- – I think he can be the answer and they can go three and three and nine. And just it's it takes him some time to get his system in place because you know, this is what I, – I guess that, that now I'm thinking, all right, you compare him to Gary Anderson's squad at Oregon, Oregon State. They were five and seven when they took over, the, the season before they took over. Then they went two and ten uh, just getting their, their stuff in place. So I think that's what we're probably going to see here is, is hey, and Gary Anderson now, they got to – that's the type of team they have to beat. And I, I trust the team that's three years into the system over the team that's that's putting in a new with the everything. first with with a first-time head coach and a and a first-time starting quarterback. Yeah, uh, uh, yeah. I-
1: all right, Barton, you're a beast. This, is, uh, this has been a lot of fun. Uh, I love, I've love i loved getting to bring our notes together, uh, compare notes as we get set to, to really unfurl the season. Um, so make sure that you're subscribed because we're coming at you with all kinds of camp reports and some big topics and some guests, all that coming next week. Make sure you follow him on Twitter, at Barton Simmons. You can follow me at Chip underscore Patterson. Barton, man, thanks so much.
0: Thanks, dude.